Turn your Bibles tonight to Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10. We are uh, just about to finish up the plagues. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Plagues are definitely not the most attractive thing to uh, draw crowds in, are they? But what we've been noticing is, is that as ugly and as horrible and as terrible and any other adjective that you want to use to describe it, as, as bad as these plagues were, as we've been looking through them, we have been seeing that there was a beautiful purpose in them. God was doing something through these plagues. And I want us to just uh, restate that. I, I, actually, we don't have to because Moses did that for us. Uh, this isn't something that I think you're going to see. This isn't something I just made up or, or drew out. I mean, he restates this over and over and over again that the purpose of these plagues was to do something. And uh, we actually find that in chapter 10, verses 1 through 2. We're going to look at that real quick. We'll go to the Lord in a quick word of prayer again, and then we'll get into our study. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know that I am the Lord. Now very quickly, I want us to, to go back. I told you I was going to keep asking all this. What do God's signs point towards? Two things we find in, in Exodus. He said he was going to work his signs and his wonders. What do signs point towards? A purpose. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, the signs point towards a purpose. Every single time, they're pointing towards a purpose. And he restates this purpose in these verses here. What was the purpose of these signs. At the end of verse 1, he says, that I might show these my signs unto him. Purpose. What was the purpose? That, that, that you may tell in the ears of your son and in your son's sons what things I have wrought or, or works I have done in Egypt and my signs, as it were again, which I have done among them. This is the last thing. I think this is the underlined thing right here. This is the underlined purpose right here. That you may know how I am the Lord. And if we go back and, and uh, just very quickly think about this, remember that uh, the Lord said that, that the purpose of these signs and wonders were to do three things. To tell Israel, to show Israel that He was Yahweh the Lord, to show Egypt that He was Yahweh, and to show the whole world that He is Yahweh. He restates His purpose here in verses 1 and 2 again. And so with that purpose in mind, I want us to go ahead and, and uh, we'll look at these, uh, these, these two plagues in chapter 10. Let's go ahead and bow to the Lord of prayer. Uh, God, we do thank you. We pray for your guidance and direction in all of our studies tonight. Guide, our, guide the words that I say. Guide our discussion. And Lord, use this uh, to further our faith in you as well. Show us tonight how that, uh, even through some of the tragedies that go on in life, uh, how that we can show that you are the Lord. Help us be lights in this community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're going to look at two plagues tonight, locusts and darkness here in chapter 10, verses 1 through uh, 29. <laughs> I had to look. Uh, the plague of locusts is the first one that we're going to look at. Of course, we see this in verses 3 through 20. Now, we have a warning in chapter 3, uh, verses, in chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. 
uh, the warning. Let's go ahead and read those verses. He says, And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Now this is an, this is an interesting question. How long will you wait? How long will you refuse to humble yourself? And uh, the, the study Bible that I have says the correct answer uh, to that question is no more. <laughs> but that's not what he said. Of course, we know that, uh, that he was not going to let the people go yet. But we have been seeing the Pharaoh get softer and softer, haven't we? At, at the same time, he's get, his heart's getting harder, but every time his heart gets harder, he falls a little bit further in his, uh, uh, you know, in his refusal to let the people go. And so he's starting to bargain a little bit. He's, he's like, I don't want to let them go all the way. And so we're going to see him kind of bartering a little bit on, on how many people are going to go or who's going to go. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that as we go along. He says in verse 4, Else if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts into thy coast. And so he tells us uh, what this, uh, this plague is going to be. Let's look at verse 5. It says, And they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. Now, there's a couple of things that he says here in verse 5. If we're not really paying attention and just newspaper reading here, uh, we're not going to catch. He says, They shall eat the residue of what is escaped. What, are they, what does he mean by that? What's left over of the what? The, plants, the, food. the food, right, the plants, yeah. And uh, I think I have this up here. Uh, down in the second point here, it says, remember that God had taken out the flax and the barley with the hail. And uh, he says that the others were not... What's that? Yeah, it didn't take out the, the other two. Right, yeah, yeah. So this is going to take them out. Yeah, so, so the flax and the barley had grown up during the time of the hail, but, it, but the other, the, the wheat and the rye, had not grown up yet. And so what God did is he waited until the wheat and rye grew up and then he said a bunch of locusts through. God's perfect in his timing. He knows what he's doing. And, uh, and so that's what's what going to happen here. Now his locusts are going to clean out every last hint of grain in Egypt, which we said was a major trade in Egypt. Their grain was, was sent all over the place. And so it was very, very important to their economy. Now let's go back up to this other thing I said. As we pass through the plagues, they seem to be getting more intense and closer together. If you'll, if you'll notice, at first, we really don't know the whole timeline, or I don't anyway, know the whole timeline of the plagues, but it does seem like at first they were bad enough, they were plagues, but they seem to be spread apart. But as time's going on, I mean, they're getting closer together, getting closer together, and they're getting worse. And, uh, and, of course, these locusts are going to be pretty bad. Now they're wiping out all the food uh, that's left in Egypt of all the grain and, and everything. And it even mentions here at the end of verse 5, it says, And shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. Now whether that tree means just the plant itself, or if it's actually talking about fruit-bearing trees in the land, I don't know what kind they might have had there, but it, it appears these locusts were just going to wipe out all vegetation. Hey, anything they could use for food, these locusts were going to wipe out. <coughs> were you going to say? Which sprouts? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so this was going to be 
uh, of course, very, very detrimental to uh, the people there around. All right, we see the question in verses 7 through 11. There's some good questions asked here. Uh, in verse 7, it says, And Pharaoh's servants said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let these men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? Now the Pharaohs, by the way, you didn't just speak out to the king out of turn. Let's, let's establish that. You don't go to the king and say, when are you going to wake up? <laughs> you don't do that. They did. They were tired of this. I mean, they had enough. And uh, they're hearing now that the locusts are going to come in and take out the rest of their food. And so they go to Pharaoh and they say, how long is this man going to be a snare to us? How long are you going to let this continue to go on? Can you not see that all of Egypt is already destroyed? Now, we don't know what happened to them after they said that, but, uh, but nevertheless, they went and asked Pharaoh that question. How long? That's good. That was a good question. The Pharaoh question as well. He said, who will go? Let's look at verses 8 and 9. He says, And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. Okay, so the servants ask him, How long are you going to do this? And so Moses and Aaron are brought to Pharaoh. And he says, Go get them. Bring them in here. Maybe we can make a deal. Okay, let's make a deal. And he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? Now his question was this. He brought them in. He says, he says, Go ahead and serve the Lord. Okay, if that's what it's going to take to get these locusts off our back, then just go ahead and do what you need to do. But how many are you going to take? Remember, he had, a, he had a whole working crew out of the Israelites. I mean, they were building all his stuff, and, and they were his slaves and all this. He, he didn't want them all to go. So he asked this question. He says, but how many are you going to take? You know, who, who all are you actually wanting to take with you on this trip? And, uh, of course, we're going to see this answered as we read on. And Moses said in verse 9, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds we will go. Who's that? Everybody, yeah. There's not really any in-betweens there. And so everybody was going to go. I mean, they weren't leaving one hoof or one, one person behind. I mean, everything was going with them. He says, for we, notice that, that pronoun, we must hold a feast unto the Lord. This feast is not just for some of us. The whole group has to go out there, and, uh, and we have to hold this feast unto the Lord. Now, verses 10 and 11 are, are pretty interesting. Uh, we see Pharaoh's accusation there in, in verses 10 and 11. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go. Uh, and your little ones, look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now that you are men and serve the Lord for that you did desire and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Now to read these verses, it's, it's kind of hard to catch Pharaoh's attitude when he says this. Uh, matter of fact, I had to read these verses just over and over and over again just to even figure out what Pharaoh was saying. And, uh, and I, I eventually just had to go to some other sources and, and try to uh, pull out what, what they think that he's talking about here. Because he, he says one thing and then he says another. I mean, it's just kind of contradicting here. He says, Let the Lord be so with you as I will let you go and your little ones. He says, Look to it. Then he says, For evil is before you. And he changes his mind. He says, Not so. No, it's not going to happen. Go now ye that are men and serve the Lord. In other words, leave, your, leave the women and, and the, the children behind all these things. Well, actually, he says... Uh, 
and serve the Lord, for you did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. At one point, he's actually going to he's going to say something about the children. I don't guess he said it there. But but uh, anyway, I want us to talk about this uh, schizophrenic Pharaoh for a second. What Pharaoh said was literally this. He says, "Let it be so. Yahweh will be with you when I let you uh, let you go and your family members." Uh, his words, however, were not intended literally, but sarcastically. Is is what one commentator says. As the critical and negative final statement in the verse, clearly you are bent on evil, makes clear. Were Pharaoh speaking modern colloquial English, he might have said something like, oh sure, that's fine. And it was certainly true that Yahweh is with you if I actually allowed all uh, your family members to go with you. But look, it's obvious that, that you have evil in mind. So I think this is kind of the attitude. If we read these verses with, with Pharaoh's attitude in, in this, uh, he is being a little sarcastic here. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, when pigs fly, I'll let you go, type, that, that kind of thing. And uh, he says, oh yeah, I'll, I'll know the Lord's with you whenever I decide that I'm going to let you go out of Egypt. It's kind of, he, he's still pompous in all this. And he says, no, you've got evil in mind. You're not going to go out and just hold a feast. You're, you're never going to come back. There's evil in your mind. You, you've got evil intentions and all this. So he says, no, the men go. And, uh, and he sends them on out. I'm telling you, Pharaoh's losing his mind. There's something wrong with this man. Now we see the plague in, in verses 12 through 20. We're going to go ahead and, and just read the account here. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the, the hell hath left. Everything that was left over from the hill. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the, the land all that day and all that night, and when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Uh, before them were no such locusts as they, neither after them shall be such. In other words, they've never seen anything like this before. They've never seen anything like this afterwards. It says in verse 15, For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, and they did eat every herb uh, of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hell had left, and there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field uh, throughout all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste. <laughs> I like that. And he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away uh, from me this death only. And he went out from, uh, from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind, which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coast of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. And so uh, there, this is very detailed as he goes in and he talks about what all the locusts did. He spends several verses talking about these locusts. And I think, I think the emphasis here was just to show that not one word of the Lord fell, fell to the ground. Everything he said he was going to do with these locusts, he did them. And, uh, and so we see these locusts came through. Pharaoh, of course, uh, we see him repenting again, quote-unquote. And, and he says, Look, I've sinned, and, and uh, you know, please just take this away. And so Pharaoh goes, uh, the, he sees the locusts are gone, and then he hardens his heart again. He's right back where he was before. Any, any thoughts or anything on, uh, on the locusts before we move to darkness?
stretch out his hand, he stretched out his rod. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the hand itself has probably some some significance there. Um, Moses' hand represented the hand of God, but then at the same time, remember that the rod was very special in all the uh, in all the plagues as well, and so he represents both with the language. Yeah, but I, but also keep in mind that as he stretches the rod forth, he's also yeah. stretching his hand. So so both of these are are mentioned. Anybody else? Anything? Oh yeah. So I imagine when it hit and God kept knocking down. Right, yeah. He's starting to learn that he's not equal with, with whoever this God of the Hebrews no. is, yeah. He goes from who is the Lord to I have sinned. He said this twice now. Yeah. I have sinned against the Lord and, and uh he um he at least recognizes what he's doing. All right, anybody else with anything? Any comments, questions? All right. Well, let's move on to darkness. Uh, we're not, this is not just a long part of the outline here. There's not really a lot recorded on the darkness, but I want us to, uh, to read this. Uh, as, we, as we go through the darkness, though, I want you to keep something in mind. To us, we have to remember, first of all, the way people thought and the way people were in the ancient Middle Eastern part of the world um, we like darkness sometimes well some of us do I'm, I'm sure there's some in here that don't like darkness but we also have to keep in mind we got a lot of electricity and when we, when we think about darkness our darkness involves night lights lights from outside shining in through the windows and all the this is this is blindness is, is what we're talking about here with this darkness we also have to keep in mind that in the ancient uh, Middle Eastern world and culture, and, and the Jews were like this as well. They didn't like darkness at all. I mean, darkness—you you didn't go out at night. Darkness was danger. Darkness was mysterious. Darkness was—you uh, know—it was scary. They, they were scared of the dark. Uh, and just remember that they didn't have the the light like we do uh, in their their societies and culture and everything. At least not at this time. And so uh, darkness to them would have been a very, very fearful thing. Now, imagine a night, you can, hurricanes have come through and knocked out all the lights. You all seen pitch black, hadn't you? Equates to a cave. To a cave, okay. Mm -hmm. That's dark. That's dark, yeah, yeah. Uh, turn the lights off in here and it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, so we get, but imagine spending three days and complete and total darkness. Without the sun, com sun coming up to give light at all, three days in complete darkness. What are you going to do by the third day? I mean, the terror is just going to be... There, there will be psychological issues, I think, probably going on. Uh, I mean, just, just the fear itself. Is the sun ever going to come back out? You know, what is going on here? The, the, the whole... It's not just some plague that's come in. It's like... All of nature is out of control here. What, what is happening, you know, <laughs> in the world? And so I just want you to keep this terror in mind. Uh, they have no food keep in, in this. And so when they get depressed, they can't even go eat some grain. I mean, you know, they don't have anything. And, uh, and so it's just darkness. Let's read this with, uh, with that in mind. Verse 21, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, and darkness 
which may be felt. Thick in darkness. Okay, you ever been in darkness you could feel? Well, they did. And Moses stretched forth his hand towards heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. You didn't dare get up and, and try to walk around. No telling how many Legos were on the floor after all this stuff going on. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. It's a very important statement I want us to come back to a little bit later. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Uh, let your little ones also go with you. So he says, Okay, go. Get out of here. Go, go ahead. Take all your people. Take your kids. Just leave the herds here. Because they don't have any. Yeah, they don't have any. Remember, all their cattle has died. You know, I, I mean, they, they, they've, they've really got it rough. And so we see the conditions there in verse 24. The conditions are, you can go leave your herds behind. We're going to have steak tonight, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so they're, they're, those are the conditions. Uh, but we see the requirements of Moses. I want to clarify that as we read this. The requirements of Moses here in verse 25 and 26. And Moses says, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings. If we leave all of our animals behind, what are we going to offer to God? You must give us all of our sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not a hoof be left behind, for therefore we must take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not uh, with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. In other words, Moses says this, we're supposed to be going out and sacrificing to God, and we don't even know how many we're supposed to be offering up until we get out there. So if I give you all of our cattle, or even half of our cattle... I may, not, I may still not even have a sufficient amount to sacrifice it to the Lord. We don't know how many of these he's going to require. And so Moses tells him, no, not a hoof's going to be left behind. We're, we're taking everything with us. We're going to find out here in a little bit, not only did they take all of their men and all of their women, all their sons, all their daughters, all their cattle, all their flocks, but they're also going to take the very riches of Egypt with them. And I mean, they, they left a wealthy, wealthy uh, little nation. <laughs> I say little because they were two million people, but we have cities, you know, that, that have that many people. And I mean, they, they were, a, a, in essence, a, a small nation, but they were going to be a very, very wealthy nation uh, when they left Egypt. All right, any, any questions on this darkness before we move on to this last little thing here? Yes, ma'am. Ra, the sun god, and then there was uh, another one which was the sky god. Uh huh. So you got you got Ra, the the sun god, and then uh, what was the what was her name? I forgot. But anyway, yeah. So absolutely, I mean, it, it attacked directly attacked and, and judged these these gods that they worship. All right. Uh huh. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some dangerous, very dangerous animals are there in that wildlife. Mm-hmm. That would just, keep in mind, it's not like a city like here out here. And the animals don't, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean, yeah. And so they weren't they, they weren't going to dare go out, go out of the house, yeah. Good point. Anybody else, anything before we move on? Always uh, encourage discussion. 
We have to keep in mind that when we say darkness, I don't think this is a just just a uh, cover the sun up darkness. Yeah. Evidently, this was a supernatural darkness, of course, because it even a darkness that can be felt. They couldn't even see one another. Even lighting their lamps and candles was not sufficient to bring light. Maybe it was more like a blindness because the Hebrews had light. Right. So That's why I say it's got to be something supernatural, that, of course, that God was doing. I don't know that we can explain it with, with, with nature. Yeah, it's, it's got to be supernatural. Right. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. It's true. I'll ask him. I'm going to ask him. I probably won't care. All right, let's see the final warning. Uh, we, we see the threat in verses 27 through 28. This is Pharaoh's threat, of course. Let's look at these verses. It says, And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. I've heard that before. Verse 28, And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself, see my face no more, for in that day that thou seest my face, thou shalt die. Somehow after all that had happened, the Pharaoh still had the audacity to threaten Moses. It was an empty threat. He, he couldn't do anything with it. And I think Pharaoh probably knew that as well. But this is what he said. He says, Don't come here again, Moses. If I see you again, I'll kill you. The day that I see your face again, you're, you're a dead man. And so I don't think Moses ran out scared. I think he just turned around and walked off. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, verse 29 says, And Moses says, Thou hast spoken well. I will see thy face again no more. Moses made a promise. You're, you, you said it right. You said it well. I, I'm not going to see your face anymore. We see the preparation. There's one final plague that is going to peak anything that they've experienced so far. It's going to top the darkness. It's going to top the hunger through the locusts and hail. It's going to top uh, the frogs, if you can imagine that. It, it's going to top it all. I mean, this is going to be worse than anything. And that, of course, we know is the death of the firstborn. Chapter 11 is a short chapter. I want us to read it. I'm not going to comment a whole lot on it. I want us to read it, and, uh, and we, that, that's going to suffice for us for chapter 11. Next week we'll move into chapter 12 and begin looking at the death, death of the firstborn. So let's look at the narrative here that we find in chapter 11. We're just going to read this. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. Uh, when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Not only is he going to let you go, he's going to kick you out. He's going to help you out. You know? He's going to make sure you get out of here. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Remember, that God said, I will, to Moses, he said, I will make you a God and Aaron a prophet or something like that. I can't remember what he said. But he said, I'm going to make you a God in the eyes of Pharaoh. And so it says he was very great. 
Verse 4, And Moses said, uh, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth on the throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant uh, that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue, against man or beast, that you shall know how that the Lord has uh, put difference between Egyptians uh, and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a, in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, so the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. And next week we will get into chapter 12. We'll see what happened with that uh, final plague. As we, uh, as we close tonight, I, I do have some final thoughts that I want you to go home with. How interesting that in the midst of a land that was filled with darkness, there was a chosen group of people with the light of Yahweh. What do we talk about Sunday morning? You, you are the light of the world. We could view this as an act of favoritism over the Egyptians. I mean, we could, we could look at this and say, okay, God put darkness in all the, the land of Egypt round about, but then he favored Israel and so he gave them light. We can look at it that way or we can look at it as a message of hope. By the way, there will be some Egyptians that left with the Israelites when they go. We could see it as an act of favoritism or a message of hope that God still had a purpose even in this darkness and in the specific light that was found uh, in, in the land where the Israel people were, were dwelling. Is that not what Israel's purpose was? I mean, when we went through the book of Genesis, I kept telling you over and over and over again that God had a specific purpose for uh, calling out the nation of Israel, a specific purpose for calling Abraham and his family to himself. What was that purpose? To be an influence on the nations round about that did not know the Lord. That was the purpose of Israel. To be a light in the midst of a world of darkness spiritual darkness. And is that not our purpose here as well? As I picture this, as I, I picture this vivid, this darkness that could be felt uh, that's there in the land of Egypt. And by the way, Egypt does represent the world. It represents sin. And as I, as I picture this vivid darkness that can be felt over all this land of Egypt, but then somehow in the very midst of that land of darkness that, that could not be felt. They couldn't even see one another. It was so vivid. But in the midst of all this darkness, there was a nation that had light. Do you see what I'm talking about? Here we are, right here. If we could put spiritual eyes on and walk out the streets, walk our neighborhoods, we'd see darkness. We'd see a, a world, a land of darkness. But in the midst of all the darkness in the world, God has strategically placed chosen vessels of light, chosen, chosen people, chosen 
nations of light all over the world. For what purpose? So that they will know that He is the Lord. That's the end. That's the purpose of it. That's what God has called us to be here in Conway and in uh, in Orlando as well. That's all that I have for tonight. Anybody with, with any word before we leave? Appreciate you this, this evening. Thank you for being here. Let's go ahead and dismiss tonight.